1: This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hi,
0: everyone, and welcome to My Millennial Money Medical. My name's Dev Raga, and I'm your host. And in this episode, we'll go through some core superannuation concepts. We talk about investing outside of super when it comes to personal finance. We talk about it a lot but a lot of people tend to just ignore superannuation because they feel retirement is just too far away. Now, let me be very clear. Superannuation is hands down one of the best ways to save for your retirement, albeit it comes with its own set of restrictions. This is part one of a three-part series that I'm gonna talk about super. Now we can't do this podcast without the support of Altus Financial. As a full-service financial advisory business, they help you in many ways, whether that be your requirements on general business advice, structuring and use of multiple entities for tax minimization or asset protection purposes to protect you for the extra risk we take on as medical professionals or a sounding board on ideas you have on your business. Check out altusfinancial.com.au. Let's get started. If you want me to discuss a specific topic, or if you have a specific question, don't hesitate to contact me via Twitter or via Facebook. And for those of you that are new to the channel, remember the three aims, education, empowerment, and entertainment. In this episode, I will talk about how to boost your super. Some of the contribution rules you need to be aware of, how contribution tax works, and in future episodes, the next one and the one after that, We will discuss what happens on the back end of super, how you can withdraw it and how it may affect your pension and what is the thing called preservation age, for example, and how is it even possible to contribute to super in older age? It's actually possible even after the age of 65. Now, we will not be specifically discussing SMSFs in this episode, uh, because you know I've done a separate episode about self-managed super funds before uh, under the previous banner, Devraga Personal Finance. Just basically open up this channel and search for that episode. And we won't be specifically discussing specific super funds or specific investments within super. The aim of this episode is to learn about concepts about superannuation. So what is superannuation? Now, the whole point of superannuation is to encourage you, the individual, to save for your own retirement. Most people don't think about their retirement until they start realizing it's not too far away. Now, I get messages from people in their 40s or 50s who get concerned about not having enough superannuation and they start panicking. And they start panicking because they haven't thought about it early on in their career, in their 20s 30s or even in their 40s sometimes. Now, if you're in your 20s and 30s and listening to this episode, do not ignore your superannuation. It's really, really important. Think of superannuation as a structure. That's all it is. Inside that structure, there are various investment schemes and most of these schemes are incentivized. and the incentive is provided by the Australian government to encourage you to look after yourself during retirement. Now, the main reason for this incentive is to ensure that you do not end up relying on taxpayer money during your retirement, which is kind of ironic because it's the same taxpayer money or incentives, which is helping you accumulate funds in your super account during your younger years. I suspect smart people in the government have done the sums and they feel it's better to give you a tax break now rather than you relying on the pension later on. Now, we'll talk about superannuation contributions during this episode, but essentially, there are two types of contributions you should be aware of. Number one, mandatory contributions. Now, if you're an employee, your employer is mandated to contribute 10.5% of your gross income towards your super. Now, a couple of things about this episode. At the time of recording, the mandatory super contribution was 10%. But by the time this episode airs, it's going to be 10.5% because I think this episode is panned for July 2022. So if your gross income is $100,000 per year, Your employer should be contributing $10,500 towards your superannuation. Now, for the purposes of ease of calculation, I'm going to use the 10% mandatory super as a rule. But remember, mandatory super from the 1st of July 2022 is actually 10.5%. And the reason I'm using the 10% is because it's just a lot easier to calculate as opposed to incorporating that extra 0.5%. So please keep that in mind. Now, If you're self-employed, you are usually on your own and you need to make your own contributions towards super. And this is called voluntary super contributions. And there are various ways to do this. And I'll discuss later how to actually do it. Now, once the money is inside your super account, usually through a super fund, you tend to decide what type of investments the money is invested in. Most Australians are investors in their super, but probably don't even know what that is and what they're invested in. And that's a real worry. The aim is you keep contributing to your super during your working life. And when you reach a specific age, around 60 or 65, you're allowed to touch it. Until then, you cannot really touch the money unless you're in exceptional circumstances. One of those exceptional circumstances was in 2020 when the government actually made some changes to the legislation which allowed you to access your super if you had some financial strife. It turns out that policy was a complete failure. Now, coming back to the $100,000 income example, what happens though, if you have $500,000 of income, does this mean that your employer is now obliged to pay, you know, 10% or 10.5% of $500,000? So that equates to around $50,000 into your super. No, they're not. And it really depends on what's written in your contract. For example, I'm working in the public health system and in my contract, it specifically states super is paid up to and including the maximum superannuation contribution base. Now, recently, and I'm recording this in June 2022, I've had a lot of people, doctors and nurses, uh, sometimes contact me and say, well, hang on, um, I haven't been paid super for the month of June. The reason is they may have breached the superannuation contribution base, and that's probably why they're not getting the super for the last month. So what does that mean? It means that your employer will pay you super up until a maximum income. And in most cases, that contribution base at the time of recording is $58,920 per quarter. So if you earned more than that, you won't get any more super as part of the mandatory contributions. So what happens then if you have multiple jobs and earn that much between the jobs? Yes, you will get super at each job up to a max base of $58,920 at each job. But as we'll discuss later in this episode, there are tax implications if you have too much super contributed during any particular financial year. So if you have multiple jobs and you do FTE 1.5, for example, you will still get the mandatory contributions based on $58,920 per quarter at each of the jobs. But That is going to breach some of the contribution caps that you can have when it comes to actually contributing to your super. We'll talk about that a bit later in this episode, and also we'll sort of talk about it in the next couple of episodes as well. Now, if the government wants me to save for my retirement, then why do they restrict how much I can contribute? That's a really good question. And to be honest, I used to get really narky about it and think the same way. Super is my money, so why is the government having so much control over it? The reason is, you can't have your cake and eat it too. The government is providing tax incentives for you to contribute to super, which means you're getting a tax benefit. It is designed for you to have enough during retirement, which you must use up before death. Generally, super is not designed to pass on wealth, so the government wouldn't want you to hoard money into super for the heck of it and transfer it to your children. That's not what it's designed to do, and that's not what its purpose is for. Remember what drives the economy spending. Hoarding money doesn't drive the economy, which is what spending super money is all about. And when you've accumulated that super, you got to spend it, which is a good thing, which the government wants you to do in your retirement. So you keep contributing to the economy in your old age, and most of it stay off the pension system, which is meant to be for the people who really need it. Remember, the economy works if you spend money, not if you hoard money. Now, who is actually eligible to get paid super? Now, you must be at least 18 years or over. And there used to be a rule where you must get paid $450 per month, gross or over, to be eligible to be uh, paid super. That rule um, has gone as of the 1st of July 2022. So if you're earning less than $450 per month and over the age of 18, then you are eligible for mandatory super contributions. Now, the third thing is, if you're under the age of 18, but you work more than 30 hours per week, then you're eligible to get paid super. Now, I don't understand why young people under the age of 18 get penalised for working less than 30 hours a week, which is a lot of hours, and why they can't get super. To me, it doesn't make sense. So, for example, if you're 17 and you have a part-time job and you work, you know, 10 or even 12 hours a week and you basically uh, earn money, I don't understand why super is not mandatory for that particular person because they still kind of have to pay tax to some extent, depending on how much you know they earn, of course. So I don't understand that. It just doesn't make any sense. I think it's really unfair. I think people under the age of 18 who work should get paid super. Now, the biggest take-home message here is your superannuation is a retirement investment scheme which is incentivized. Now, think of your special box, and within it is your special investments which are structured tax effectively. That's all it is. It's a structure. So what is super actually paid on? A lot of people don't know this. It's based on ordinary time earnings, OTE. So examples of that are commissions, paid leave, shift loadings, normal pay, ordinary pay, certain allowances. Now you've got to check with your union, if you have a union, what sort of allowances are actually um, allowable for super contributions on top of that. Now, it is not paid on irregular overtime payments, termination payments, performance bonuses, any reimbursed expenses or car allowances from your employer, annual leave loading. Now, this was surprising. Annual leave loading doesn't get any super. Most healthcare workers in the public system may get some sort of leave loading of around 17 or 18%. So that seventeen or 18% is not eligible for mandatory super. Didn't know that. Parental leave payments, I think this is ridiculous in 2022. Parental leave payments don't have mandatory super contributions, gratuities and redundancy payments. So you need to know what you're eligible for in order to be able to claim your super. Now, how much super should you have? Now, this is always a very tricky question to answer and it really depends on your pay scale. Hands down, women are disadvantaged when it comes to super. And the recent discussion about whether to include super on parental leave payments, uh, you know, my view is it's a bloody no-brainer. I don't understand why parental leave payments uh, are not eligible for superannuation. I think it's ridiculous. Um, and just getting taxed, which essentially it is, for having kids in 2022, to me, is just absolute ridiculousness. So that rule has to change. I think parental leave payments must be paid super as a mandatory contribution. Now, I hope it changes because at the time of recording this episode, I think parental leave does not have to have super contributions paid on this, and I hope that changes in the future. Now, I had a look at some of the comparison of super depending on age, income, fees and investments. And here are the stats on average. By age 30, they say you should have about 45K for males and 35K in super for females. By age 40, it's 100K for males and 62K for females. You can see how that disparity widens and widens. By age 50, you should have 175K for males and 100K for females. By age 60, you should have 275,000 for males and 160,000 for females. By age 70, you should have 215,000 for males and 110K for females. Now, the reason why it drops as you get older is because you're now assumed to be drawing down in your super, of course. And by age 80, you should have around 60K in your super and only 32,000. Uh, in super, if you're if you're female, 60k for males and 32k for females. Now you may be thinking those numbers are actually very very low when you compare it to your own super, and I agree. I think these numbers are based on averages across Australia, across all professions. Realistically, you will need much more than that to be able to have a comfortable retirement. Now for healthcare workers who are relatively high income earners in comparison to general population and have a reasonably secure income. I think it should be at least double those figures. I think by age 60, if you're male, you should have $550,000. And by age 60, if you're female, you should try and have at least three hundred eighty dollars to $400,000. That should be the bare minimum. Now, for prodigious wealth accumulators, I think we can aim for something triple that. So for males, around seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and for females around five hundred and fifty to six hundred thousand dollars. Now personally, I don't think there should be any difference between males and females. I think they should be exactly the same, but I've just used the same projections based on the national average and just tripled it. So if you really you know want to know how much super you should have uh, and you're a you know a saver and you're an investor, uh, you know by age forty, you really should be having about $300,000 for males, around $200,000 for females if you're a pretty good saver based on an average healthcare worker salary. Now, how much should I be contributing to my super or how much is my employer meant to be complete? Contributing, your employer should be contributing at the time of recording ten percent. But at the time of hearing this, it'll be ten point five percent on top of your gross income into your super fund. If you're self-employed, as a benchmark in comparison to employed persons, you should be doing the same. If you're not, then you are running the risk. And I think a lot of self-employed people, you know, have a lot of doctors who are self-employed. A lot of allied health workers and dentists uh, who are self employed, if you don't pay attention to your super, you are running the risk. Now, if you're not doing that, you need to seriously ask the question, why? If your employer is not doing that, that is, paying the mandatory contributions, you need to seriously ask them the same question, why? You need to check your pay slips to make sure that you are getting your super. In 2022, SuperStream was introduced by the ATO, which I think is great, which makes employers accountable for paying super on time. In the past, the payment of super used to be quarterly, a bit haphazard, and the employers often may not have been paid the appropriate super for their work done. Now it's very difficult to avoid paying super from employers because most employers are required to report to the ATO at the time of payment. And also with single-touch payroll, it just makes things a lot easier to keep track of employees and employers and of course this does not affect self-employed persons so if you're self-employed it's up to you to contribute super for your retirement benefits now what happened to the loophole prior to 2020 where employers can actually shortchange people for their super this affected a lot of healthcare workers now before july 2020 if you salary sacrificed you to super it meant you are prepared to receive less income on hand as a result. Your employers could cheekily then calculate 10% or 10.5% on the lower income, income after salary sacrifice, which works out less super contributions. Now, when I say 10 or 10.5%, obviously in 2020, you're not going to get that much in super, but I'm using today's mandatory contributions and applying it retrospectively because I can't remember what the contributions were. I think it was 9.5% back then. But you can see that if your salary sacrificed, your super was only paid on the lower amount. This is not possible anymore. Salary sacrifice should not affect your 10% super or 10.5% at the time of listening to this. Your 10.5% super must be paid on the total gross income prior to salary sacrifice. So that's the loophole prior to 2020, which has since been closed. And I fully support that uh, legislation because I think super is really important. And again, if the government is really, really keen to get people off the pension, then they should be very keen to have policies and legislation which allow people to contribute to their super effectively. Now, you don't have to hoard money into super, that's not what I'm saying, but why have all these restrictions and loopholes? I think people have a right to a financially sound and secure retirement. And this is yet another step to equalise that as much as possible. Now what happens if your employer is not paying you super and this is this is really really important I think people that that don't check their pay slips to make sure super is actually charted there and also log into your super and making sure that your employer is paying you super is absolutely vital because you may actually realize that the super that you thought that you gave your employer the number is actually incorrect and they may be you know, creating another super fund for you and putting money into the other super fund. That's not going to happen really because now you get a choice. It's not like back in the day when basically every employer had a preferred super fund, et cetera. But you need to check to make sure that money is actually being received. And I do. I check my super fund to make sure that all of my employers, and I've got three or four employers that pay me super on time. And I do check it Every fortnight, I log in to make sure that payments are being made. Now, there are five steps that you need to do. Number one is, if they're not playing super, you need to confirm that you're eligible to get super. Number two is, you gotta check with your super fund if your employer has paid any super. Number three is, you have gotta inform your employer that super has been missed. And number four is, you can seek advice from your super fund about how to approach this if they're not paying your super. Uh, and maybe if they can talk to your employer. And number five is you can lodge an inquiry with an ATO and tip them off on one 800 60062 But that's very unlikely because of the SuperStream requirements as discussed below. But those are the five things that you can do to make sure that you are getting your super. Now, I may sound a little bit militant about this, but people not getting paid super is a big problem. And it's a huge problem in healthcare, but it's also a big problem in all industries. Because employers, you know, they can play all sorts of games if they really wanted to. Uh, and I've spoken to heaps and heaps of doctors and nurses who just haven't been paid their super, um, particularly over the last you know, few years. It's a little bit more rarer nowadays because, you know, the live reporting, etc. But five years ago, it wasn't uncommon, uh, particularly if you're a GP registrar employed by a small practice that incidentally forgot to pay your super. Um, so, you know, or, you know, for gosh in, you know, inverted, inverted commas, right? So you got to check these things. Now, when you contribute to super, there's something called a contributions tax. So what is it? This is normal and it's not the fees your super fund is charging you. And this is a common confusion. Contributions tax is basically a form of income tax. And remember, if you had earned that money, which was meant to be for your super, you would have had to pay income tax on it. But with super, you pay the tax, but much less of it. The tax you pay on your super contributions, employer or employee, doesn't matter, is a flat tax of 15%. Now, there are conditions which apply to this. This is on concessional contributions. Let's also means the employer is getting a tax deduction on their payment to you. Now, let's use an example to highlight this concept, because I think it's really important to understand the basics. Amy is a hospital registrar who earns an income of $130,000 per year. She gets super of $13,000 super per year. Remember, it's 10.5%, but I've used 10% to make the sums really easy. Suppose she doesn't get the super paid and earns that extra $13,000 income. How will it be taxed? Now, she's on a tax bracket of about 37% marginally. That is, every dollar earned after $120,000 pays a tax of $0.37 on the dollar. So her tax payable will be $8,500 on that extra $23,000. Basically, if she chooses to receive that super of $13,000 into a fund, the tax would only be 15% of that. Therefore, the tax payable for her would be 37% of only $10,000. Remember, she still earns $130,000, which is 10K in that threshold above $120,000 of the 37% tax bracket. So that's $3,700 plus the 15% tax on the $13,000 super contribution, which equates to around $1,950. Therefore, her total tax liability now is only $5,650. Note in the first scenario, if she didn't do the superannuation contributions and just told her employer to pay money into her account, earning extra money meant she paid an extra $8,500 in tax. Now, she only pays $5,650 extra in tax. And this is why, basically, super is free money. And you should maximise the opportunity where you can. Now, what if you're a high income earner? There's something called a Division 293 tax, and I call it the surprise tax. When I first got the letter from the ATO, I was like, WTF is this tax, more tax. Basically, this tax is designed to equalise the situation as much as possible between low-income earners and high-income earners. There is an additional 15% tax if you earn more than $250,000 inclusive of super. The additional 15% is on your super contributions and not on your income. That's a common confusion. I've done a detailed analysis of the sneaky Div 293 tax in episode 120 if you're interested. It can be a very complex set of circumstances and it used to be for people earning more than $300,000 per annum, but now it's reduced to 250K threshold. And this is not the same as excess super contributions tax. That's a different tax, which I will discuss later in one of the episodes as well. So, the Div 293 is something you need to be aware of. Once you breach the 250k mark, there will be an additional 15% tax on your super contributions. Now, what are concessional contributions? Now, basically, when you contribute to super to make a tax effective, you need to maximize whatever available concessional contributions you have. Your employer contributions are included in the concessional contributions, and it's called concessional because the tax is lower. That is, your employer has claimed a tax deduction on their end for contributing to your super, and the tax you pay on that contribution is lower than your marginal rate. Therefore, you are receiving a concession. There are three main types of contributions which are all concessional. Number one, your employer contributions. That is your guaranteed 10.5% on your gross income. Number two is if you contribute to your super and claim it as a concessional contributions and often self-employed people do this, that's voluntary. Number three is if you salary sacrifice into your super. All of these types are called concessional contributions. Now who can make these concessional contributions? Now, if you're in your accumulation phase of wealth creation and you're working, you can make concessional contributions. So basically anyone of any age under the age of 75 years. And if you're working at any age, you will get the 10.5% super guarantee if you are an employee. Now, is there any limit to contributing concessionally into super? The answer is yes. The current limit is $27,500. Prior to July 1st, 2021, it used to be $25k. Let's use an example to highlight concessional contributions. Amy is a hospital registrar earning $130,000 per year. She receives $13,000 in super on top of this. Again, I'm using a 10% mandatory contribution because it's easier to do the calculations. This means $13,000 has been contributed concessionally into a super. She still has $14,500 left over to contribute to a super concessionally. Remember, the cap is $27,500 and she's used $13,000 of it through the mandatory contributions from her employer and she still has the $14,500 left over of what we call unused cap. Given her marginal tax rate is 37% and the super contributions tax is only 15% if she contributes concessionally, it would be a tax-effective way for her to contribute the extra $14,500 to max out her super for their financial year. When I say max out the super, I'm talking about maxing out the concessional contributions cap for that financial year. Effectively, Amy is now getting an instant return on her money of 22%. Why? Because remember, she would have had to pay 37% tax on that money, but now she's contributing to a super as a concessional contribution and only paying 15%. And 37 minus 15 is, 37 minus 10 is 27, minus 5 is 22%. And that is Amy's instant return. Money saved is money earned. So she's saving on tax, which is a return on her money. Now, I don't care who you are. If you're earning 22% return on your money, you should take it. And it's unlikely that you're getting a 22% return instantly guaranteed on your money elsewhere. So that's why superannuation, concessional contributions, I'm a huge fan. It's a marvellous unsung hero of our taxation system, the concessional super contribution scheme. If you understand this, You possibly don't need to do any other investing. This is all you need to get right. And you'll be relatively wealthy and secure in your life, provided you have a decent income. Now, why is the concessional contribution capped at $27,500? It's because otherwise people will hoard money into their super and only pay 15% tax, which means less revenue to the government. But more importantly, super money is locked up until retirement which means people can't spend it easily, which means it doesn't drive the economy back to what we discussed earlier in the episode. And that's why it's capped. Imagine if it was uncapped. If it was uncapped for me, I would probably route 90% of my income to super and live on 10%, which doesn't really help the situation of driving the economic output. Now, what are non-concessional contributions? Now, this is when super contributions are made from your after-tax income. That is, there is no tax benefit to you when making such contributions, but in some circumstances, it still makes sense to make such contributions. For self-employed people, after-tax contributions are basically super contributions you make to your fund, but don't claim a tax deduction on them. Because if you claim a tax deduction on them, they're classified as concessional contributions. Now, there is paperwork called the Notice of Intent to Claim a Deduction if you want to make a tax deduction and, you know, make your contribution a concessional contribution. Remember, concessionally, you can only contribute up to $27,500 per year. So, anything over that, you have to switch over to what's called non-concessional contributions. And what is the maximum you can contribute? Non-concessionally, $110,000 per year. And why might it make sense to top up super from after-tax income and make non-concessional contributions? This gets a little bit complicated, and I'll discuss about it perhaps later in one of my other episodes, uh, but it's got to do entirely with the way super is treated when you retire. Remember, superannuation is a structure. The government says you can have up to $1.7 million in today's dollars in your super on the back end that is, retirement phase of your life, any earnings or drawdowns are tax-free. Now, think about that. Essentially, it means you can get tax-free income in your twilight years. So, if you think you won't hit that figure and you want to top up super because of the tax-advantaged status in retirement, it might make sense to contribute to now using your after-tax income. Now, everything has an opportunity cost, so you need to go back and listen to episode 18, where I discuss about this in my previous life as Dev Personal Finance. You might not want to top up your super because it's locked away, and that's the opportunity cost. So you might want to use the after-tax precious dollars and invest outside of super. But remembering the tax status is different for investments outside of super. Now, there are rules on who can make non-concessional contributions. If aged under the age of 67 years of age, you can make non-concessional contributions if your super balance is under 1.7 million. Between 67 and 74, you need to work out a test, uh, sorry, what's called a work test requirement and your super balance has to be less than 1.7 million. So we've covered concessional contributions and non-concessional contributions and some of the quirks of div 293, etc. Let's go for a break. And when I come back, Now, welcome back. Just another thanks to Altus Financial for getting behind My Millennial Money Medical. We can't do this without them. Whether you're established in your career with a solid income and looking for next steps, or you're after advice about buying into, selling, or opening your first practice, Altus Financial can help. Altus is offering a complimentary 15 minute chat for anyone who wants to discuss their scenario with their professional team. Click the link in the show notes to find out more. Now, more about super. What is the carry forward contributions? Ah, this is where it gets interesting. And I want everyone to pay close attention to this. Carry forward contribution means, suppose you didn't max out your concessional super contributions in the past. That is, you haven't maxed it out to 27500 per year. You can contribute more now and use up any unused portion of those concessional contributions. But there are some rules to this. Number one, you can only carry forward unused concessional contributions from financial year 2019. Number two, it resets, I think in a rolling fashion, over a five-year period, kind of like your demerit point system in most states for speeding fines. And Number three, your super balance has to be less than 500k in the previous financial year. Now, this is a great thing because it allows people who may have had a lower income during their junior years to catch up on super and really ramp it up in their senior years. And this affects all workers, including healthcare workers, given training time is lag time in retirement planning. So make sure you pay attention to this great tool you can use to build up your super and really boost it. Let's use an example A practical example that's a real-life scenario. Amy is a nurse working in a large paediatric hospital. Yearly income of around 90k plus 9k of super. Again, using the 10% rule because it's easier for mathematical purposes. But you should be getting 10.5% mandatory contributions. I cannot hammer that message again and again until you get it. Now she has noticed over the last three years. Totally, she has contributed around twenty-seven thousand dollars into a super, and that's probably her employer mandated contributions. So nine k per year times three is twenty-seven k. Now she is eligible to contribute up to twenty-seven and a half thousand per year, which means in those three years she could have contributed eighty-two thousand five hundred dollars into a super but she's only contributed $27,000. This means she can catch up on the difference of $55,500, which is sitting there as unused super contributions. Now, some people like this because they have dual incomes, so they can contribute to their super using one income and max it out and use the other income for their living expenses. It depends on whether Amy needs the money straight away or is prepared to sacrifice some of it for her retirement planning. Now, she doesn't have to top up the super to fifty-five and a half k, and she doesn't have to, you know, contribute 27500 every year. That's not what I'm proposing. But if you have any spare cash, it makes no sense to pay higher tax brackets when you can actually put money into your super at a lower tax bracket people worry so much about tax. How do I claim deductions on my investment property? How do I claim deductions on my car? How do I claim deductions in my, um, uh, you know, uh, income protection insurance? Um, How do I claim deductions on the mileage of my car? How do I claim deductions in the home office, internet, mobile phone? You know what? Contributing to your super, and if you're on a 37% bracket, means you get a 22% instant return. If you're in a 45% bracket, you get you know, a 35% uh, no, 45 percent minus 15% is a 30% instant return. So, you're missing out. So, trying to deduct, you know, your car mileage and your investment property deductions and blah blah blah, if you're not doing the basic stuff right, it doesn't really matter what your deductions are for your laundry or for your home insurance or whatever it is. So please pay attention to this. And this is called carry forward contributions rule. Now, there's another rule called bring forward contributions rule. This is a very similar rule to carry forward contributions, except in this case, you can bring your future contributions forward and max it out in the current year. But this is for after-tax contributions. The way this works is every year, you can contribute up to $110,000 in after-tax contributions. But if you choose to, you can bring three years worth of contributions, including this year, from the future and contribute $330,000 all in the current financial year. This means you won't be able to contribute any more after-tax contributions for the next couple of years, inclusive of the current financial year. Now, this is really beneficial for those who may have lump sum money or proceeds of a sale of something and want to top up their retirement. But there are rules. Number one is your super must be below 1.7 million. And number two is based on how much it is below 1.7 million, you can contribute a set amount. You need to look into this a little bit more detail. For example, if your super is below 1.48 million the previous financial year at June 30th, you can potentially utilize the entire 330k limit. But if it's between 1.48 and 1.59 million, you can only use $220,000 and not the entire 330k limit. So there are some restrictions on this, but again, a marvelous opportunity to top up your super so that on the back end, when you retire, you get tax free income so let's briefly discuss the pros and cons of concessional contributions first the pros are it's a tax concession so the returns on your money is excellent if you're a high income earner or most incomes more than 15 percent taxation you are contributing to your retirement which is a tax advantaged account and number three the carry forward rule is absolutely brilliant for people to catch up on their super contributions A real-life example is supposing you're a junior training doctor or a nurse or a hallowed health professional. In your junior training times, you earn less. And when you become a senior nurse or a senior doctor or a senior pharmacist or a senior physiotherapist, your income may increase. And you can use the extra income to catch up on all those unused super contributions. That's marvellous. Now, the bad thing about this concept of concessional contribution is you can't touch the money until preservation age. So you need to foresee your future. That's generally super in general. High income earners earning more than quarter of a million dollars per year have to pay 30% contributions tax. Remember, the div 293 are not just 15%. But it's still less than the marginal tax rate of 45 to 47%. So I'd still take that deal. It's money that's invested along with it, of course, comes with all the market risks associated with investments. And of course, there are tax implications if you receive a pension under the age of 60 from your super, or if you want to draw a lump sum for various reasons under the age of 60 plus. Now, what are the pros of after-tax contributions? The pros are, although you're contributing after-tax money, that money is going towards a tax advantage status. If you invest that money outside of super, you have to pay a higher tax, marginal tax rates. But within super, you only pay 15% tax and more on this later in future episodes. Now, on the back end of super, the retirement phase, any earnings or drawdowns are generally tax free. And your super balance is generally protected from creditors. That's really important. So if you go bankrupt, your super is generally safe. That's quite nice. The cons of having after-tax contributions is it's not as tax effective as a concessional contributions friend, you can't touch it effectively until preservation age, and the investment risk, this is for super in general and not specifically for after-tax contributions. Now, that's about it for this episode, and we've covered a lot in this episode, but I really wanted to highlight the basics of superannuation. And in part two and part three, we're going to go into a little bit more advanced concepts and then we're going to talk about some of the spousal contributions limits etc and also how super works on the back end so stay tuned for those episodes coming up that's about it for this episode remember to leave a five star review at apple podcasts or whatever platform you may be using or leave a five star review or rating on all of the platforms that's even better and please leave a positive review the more ratings and reviews you leave the more people get access to this podcast, which is free, so that's better for everyone. This is Devraga from My Million Money Medical, and until next time, please make sure you stay safe.
1: We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast.